Hello, welcome to Adventures Among Ideas. So, recently I've been reading the Mrs. Piggle Wiggle series of books to my son. I have a couple of them here. If you're not familiar with these books, they were uh, written in the 1940s, 1950s by an uh, author named Betty McDonald, Northwest uh, author, where I am right now. Uh, the series centers around Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, of course who is a kind of magical woman, or a woman who has some uh, magical substances, um, who used to be married to a pirate and lives in an upside-down house. She loves children. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle loves children. And she uses magic to help their parents fix their children's bad behaviors. Uh, <clears throat> things like not picking up their toys, not wanting to go to bed, tattling, having bad manners, that kind of thing. Um, aside from the humor, one of the interesting things for me in reading this, these books is that the, the magic doesn't just fix the bad behavior directly. It doesn't kind of automatically fix the bad behavior. The magic, which is usually in the form of a powder or a pill or a tonic or something like that, uh, it sets up, the magic sets up what in Skinnerian behaviorism is called a contingency of reinforcement, or to put it, Another way, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle uses magic to begin a process of what is called operant conditioning. Operant conditioning. So, <clears throat> what am I talking about? Well, first, the term operant, this is a behavioral term. Operant is used to describe a behavior which is controlled by its consequences. So, not, what, not by what comes before, but by what comes after. Uh, Skinner talks about a three-term contingency, and the three parts of this, the three parts of this contingency are the setting, the response, and the consequence. So in other words, there's some situation to which an organism responds, then there's the response that happens, and then there are consequences to the response that make the response either, either more likely or less likely to happen in the future. Uh, the type of response, the type of the behavior that happens in the response to some situation is called an operant. So an operant is a type of response, a type of behavior basically. Uh, and the whole process of an operant becoming more or less likely to occur in the future is called operant conditioning. It's kind of uh, a kind of learning, a type of learning maybe. <clears throat> so for example, there may be a situation in which you haven't eaten in a long time, and so you feel uncomfortable. The response to the, uh, so then you eat some food is kind of the response, and then the consequence, you feel better. So you have the setting of food deprivation, the response of eating food, or looking for food and eating food, and then the consequence of feeling better. And so the consequences in this case are what is called reinforcing. So when the same setting occurs, the same situation occurs in the future, you're likely to emit the same response. You're likely to eat food again or admit a response belonging to that same operant class. So maybe eating could be one operant, looking for food could be an operant. And there's many, many, of course, any other kind of behavior that's learned or controlled by what happens when you do it is an operant. Uh, so now the consequences of a behavioral response can be reinforcing or punishing. They were reinforcing in the example I just gave of eating food. Eating food makes you feel better when you're hungry, so you do it again. 
Um, but uh, the consequences could also be punishing. So reinforcement makes something more likely to happen again. Punishment makes something less likely to happen again. Uh, and when a, when a behavior is punished or not reinforced to the point where it no longer is occurred, where it no longer occurs, so it gets less and less likely and then doesn't occur anymore. When that happens, we say it's been extinguished. So behaviors can uh, become extinguished where the person or the organism or whatever doesn't do them anymore. Uh, so there's two types of reinforcement, positive and negative, and there's two types of punishment, positive and negative. Mrs. Pigglewiggle uses all of these. Uh, most commonly in the stories, what she does, what Mrs. Pigglewiggle does, is she uses magic uh, to make the child's behavior become more extreme so that instead of being reinforcing, the behavior becomes punishing. The consequences of their behavior uh, become punishing because the cost of it or whatever becomes so, so excessive. Um, and then because of this, the child changes her behavior of her own accord, right? Because it's become so punishing that the child then changes their behavior. So there's a combination actually of positive, what I'm, we'll call positive punishment, and I'll explain more about that in a bit. But there's a combination of positive punishment where the child's behavior starts to actually hurt them and negative reinforcement where the child acts in a different way in order to remove the harmful consequences. So an old antisocial behavior is extinguished and is replaced by a new, more socially acceptable behavior. But other techniques are used as well. So let's look at some examples from the Piggle Wiggle books. We'll look at positive reinforcement first. In the first chapter of the first Mrs. Piggle Wiggle book, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, just fun to say that name over and over, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle meets a girl named Mary Lou. Uh, Mary Lou is running away from home because her mother always makes her do the dishes, and she hates doing dishes. She so she finds dish doing to be a punishing rather than reinforcing activity. The consequences of doing dishes for her are punishing, not reinforcing. But Mrs. Uh, so Mrs. Piggle Wiggle doesn't actually use magic in this episode, so it's um, kind of interesting for that because it's maybe a bit more realistic. Uh, so what Mrs. Piggle Wiggle does is reframe the act of washing dishes by putting it into a narrative. So after Mary Lou and Mrs. Piggle have Piggle Wiggle have some uh, tea and cookies together, of course they have to clean up. Um, and so they pretend that they are beautiful princesses who have been captured by a wicked witch. And in order to be released, they have to finish cleaning the kitchen before the clock strikes. And if it's sparkly clean, if the kitchen is all nice and clean, the witch will have to release them. So they wash the dishes and clean the kitchen, and Mrs. Piggle Wiggle pretends to be a witch who inspects the kitchen and reluctantly um, lets Mary Lou go free. So of course for Mary Lou, for a small kid, this is quite a lot of fun. Uh, and so in the evening after, di um, after dinner, when she goes home and has dinner, uh, she shocks her parents by washing dishes and cleaning up the kitchen without even being asked. Um, basically, so what's going on basically in this story, uh, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle uses narrative to positively reinforce a task that was previously punishing. So the normal consequences of washing dishes uh, are not that interesting to a child, right? They don't really have the 
uh, foresight or whatever to think about having clean dishes in the future. So it's not a, you know, they don't quite understand why it's necessary, why they have to do it. So it's not, it tends to be a punishing activity, or it can be at least. Um, but if you frame it, if you frame dishwashing in an exciting narrative or other chores, the actions then seem to have the reinforcing consequences of achieving some narrative goal, right? It's like you're achieving something, you're doing some goal, something exciting. Um, in more common language, the actions then start to have meaning. So washing dishes or cleaning up uh, becomes meaningful to her. So it becomes, or in technical language, it becomes reinforcing, something she wants to do again. Um, of course, this example, even though it doesn't involve magic, is all still a bit unrealistic. So in real life, uh, you would need to do this sort of reinforcement um, repeatedly according to a certain schedule for it to stick. So you can get children to do all kinds of things like eating their vegetables or putting away their toys if you, uh, if you frame it as a game or a narrative. But this won't automatically change their behavior the next time. You need to do it in a, a systematic way. And parents uh, don't always have the patience for this, as I've discovered being a parent who doesn't always have the patience to do these kinds of things. Just want it to be cleaned up now. Um, so, of course, this uh, technique can also be abused, or all of the things I'll talk about can all also be abused, but um, we don't need to get into examples of that here. All right, so an, um, an interesting example, that was a positive reinforcement, but an interesting example of negative reinforcement combined with positive punishment is found in the Tattletale Cure from the book Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic. Uh, and first, I should clear up a confusion about negative reinforcement. So in popular culture, the term negative reinforcement is sometimes used to mean punishing someone or rewarding someone for bad behavior. But in behaviorism, negative is not about bad, positive is not about good. Uh, instead, positive is about adding something, negative is about subtracting something. So it's positive and negative in that sense, adding something or subtracting something, taking something away. So when we talk about, um, when we talk about negative reinforcement, we're talking about um, removing a punishing stimulus. So taking away something that someone finds uncomfortable or inconvenient, and then uh, positive punishment, on the other hand, is adding a stimulus that someone finds uncomfortable or inconvenient. The negative punishment, which we'll talk about later, is where you take away something that someone likes. So anyway, this will maybe become clearer when we discuss an example. So in the chapter on the tattletale cure, a brother and sister are always telling on each other in such an excessive way that it becomes very irritating to their parents. Um, and of course, no one likes a tattletale. So Mrs. Piggle Wiggle gives their mother a bottle of black pills. The pills have a special effect on the children. When one of them, when, when one of the kids starts to tattle, a puff of black smoke with a tail hanging down comes out of their mouth and uh, hangs around near the ceiling. The more they tattle, the more clouds of smoke hover over their heads. This is a positive punishment. Right? It's something added to the scene, a negative stimulus that's added. You probably wouldn't be very thrilled about clouds of smoke hanging over your head all the time. And this is taking place on the weekend, but obviously neither of the kids wants this to happen at school. That would be even more of a punishment. So the clouds, these tattletale clouds, 
punish tattletale behavior. But there's another effect, a further effect. Whenever the children see each other do something wrong but decide not to tattle, one of their clouds of smoke disappears. So this is negative reinforcement. This is a negative reinforcement because it's encouraging a behavior by removing something inconvenient. So they don't like the clouds. If they want them to go away, they need to do something, which in this case is not doing something, which is not tattling. Uh, so this technique of positive punishment plus negative reinforcement seems more effective than positive punishment alone. And the author recognizes this in some of her stories. So for example, in a chapter called The Heedless Breaker, the father in the story at one, at one point pun uh, spanks, punishes by spanking the misbehaving girl. There's a kind of positive punishment, right? You're adding a, um, an uncomfortable stimulus. But this isn't effective in changing the girl's behavior, right? So she, after the punishment, she still does the same things she was doing before. Um, if you need to punish someone, and I should mention that, by the way, Skinner thought punishment should be avoided as much as possible. But if you need really need to punish someone, it seems to work better if you can reinforce a new productive behavior while at the same time punishing an old destructive behavior. And this story gives a good example of that, right? It's helping the children do a new, more positive behavior, at least in terms of the story, while it's helping them get rid of an old destructive behavior or irritating behavior to their parents and teachers. All right, so let's um, move on. We've had a quick look now at positive and negative reinforcement and at positive punishment. Let's finish off with negative punishment. So this, again, is uh, taking away something that someone likes. So like when the police fine you for driving too fast, they're taking away your money, which you probably like. Um, an example of this is found in, of uh, example of negative punishment is found in The Show-Off Cure from the book Hello, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. This is about a boy, this story is about a boy named Philip who likes to show off too much. He's always doing crazy things like riding his bike backwards down a hill while singing Polly Wally Doodle. This behavior was probably or, uh, originally positively reinforced by his classmates and maybe neighborhood kids who rewarded him for his show-off behavior with their attention and laughter and things like that. But his behavior has gotten out of control. So Mrs. Piggle Wiggle gives Philip's parents a bottle of show-off powder, which they are supposed to sprinkle on him. The effect of this magic powder is that when uh, Philip starts to show off, he becomes invisible. He turns invisible. So, and since no one can see or hear what he's doing, they just go on with whatever they were doing before and his show-off behavior doesn't get reinforced. So in other words, the reaction of other people, which is what he wants, gets removed. Thus, negative reinforcement. You're subtracting something. Um, after a while, Philip's show-off behavior is extinguished, right? The probability of its being omitted is reduced to zero which is to say he stops showing off. Uh, and there's another, uh, so this is another effect that can be hard to pull off in real life, right? Ignoring someone, or we also say giving someone the cold shoulder. It works up to a point, but since there are often multiple sources of reinforcement for a behavior, 
uh, it's difficult to apply this systematically in real life. Right? So you can uh, very often find alternate sources for reinforcing some behavior. Some people like it, some people don't. So um, invisibility powder would be nice, since in that case no one could uh, pay attention to the problematic behavior even if they wanted to. But yes, in real life it's dif more difficult to um, extinguish behaviors in this way. Yeah, so I'm not sure if all of Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's tricks can be formulated in terms of positive and negative reinforcement and positive and negative punishment, but most of them, in my uh, experience, can be actually. Uh, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle uses magic, as I said, to set up contingencies of reinforcement and punishment, which change the children's behaviors. They learn not to do some things, they learn to do other things. It's a kind of uh, magic-based operant conditioning. But I don't think the stories work this way because the author had any knowledge of behaviorism. So you might wonder, well, why, well, why did she make the stories this way? I don't think it's because she had any particular knowledge of behaviorism. So behaviorism existed at the time she was writing, um, but I'm not aware of any evidence that she knew about it, although she, of course she was uh, well-educated. Um, instead, what the author had, I think, was a keen eye for human behavior. She had plenty of experience with children, and she had an inheritance of folk wisdom about managing behavior. So behaviorism, in a sense, didn't really invent anything fundamentally new. You know, it's been known forever that rewards and punishments affect behavior, of course. Um, but what behaviorism did was take this folk wisdom and submit it to scientific and logical investigation. So now we have uh, a better idea of how and why rewards and punishments work and how to make them work in a more predictable and maybe even a more humane way. Um, but you can glimpse the basis, kind of the raw materials for this new way of understanding behavior in books like the Piggle Wiggle series, which show in a fun way the basic techniques we have for dealing with behaviors we don't like. All right. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.